It is to be here this morning. I guess this thing's on. We're okay? All right, great. I don't know if you guys know how special this day is to be able to launch these uh, folks uh, on their trip to Haiti. Leonard and I travel a lot uh, more so now than we did in the past. We just need to. We need to get out and, and see our people face-to-face as we travel around. Most of the time we go to church, we're all the ones there talking about missions. And yes, they may be supporting missions. They have a missions board and so forth. But that day we kind of have to get them pumped up about missions. And I hope today that you're pumped up about missions. Not because we're here, Lynn and I are here talking about missionary flights, because you have your people that you are committed as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage and be with them, be behind them. As you can probably tell, a little bit in trepidation uh, by thinking they're going to go to Haiti, especially on a 70-year-old airplane, the DC-3. Uh, lots of questions about that and what's going to be like when they get there. It'll be the experience they've never experienced before. If you've never been to a place like Haiti or an extremely poor third world country, you just can't imagine the poverty that sort of hits you as soon as you step off the plane. Uh, little goats run around the streets and little kids run around half naked or no clothes. And just sort of like at first you're a little bit repulsed. You say, wow, this is the way they live. But after a while, this heart of those people gets to you. And you begin to pray for them. And you begin to concern about them. And the little babies that she talked about, there's plenty of them around. And so I encourage you to pray for this team while they're gone, especially. I know Alan has uh, kind of turned this one over to Laura. And, you know, I'm a flight instructor, too. I don't flight instruct as much as I used to. But I can remember uh, sending a student out on his first solo. <laughs> I think it bothered me more than him, you know, especially when he was flying my airplane. <clears throat> but, you know, you've trained him, you've worked with him, you've taught him everything you know up to a point, And he's got about 10 or 15 hours of flying time, and finally comes that day, and you send him out. And he does quite well. He lands safely, taxis back up, and you say, that was good, but go for a couple more. So pray for Alan, since he's not going on this trip, and pray for Laura as she is, and uh, with her experience, and uh, be able to point out things to this team. They'll come back changed people. Uh, They'll come back excited about missions. They'll come back probably assessing themselves and what they have. We took a doctor to Haiti one time. He stayed for a year. When he came back home, he had two Mercedes in his garage. He didn't drive them for a month. He just couldn't pull himself to do it. All the things that he had and all the things they didn't have in Haiti, he almost felt ashamed that he had so much. We are a blessed country. And as a blessed country and Christians and a church like this and all over the country, we have a responsibility to share the gospel with those who aren't as privileged. We have the money, we can do it. I know a lot of people say they can't, but a trip to Haiti isn't that expensive. You just start a little early and start saving and raise little funds, it can happen. So anyway, that's just my little pep talk about missions this morning. But we appreciate this church. You guys have supported us for many years. When we first came, Alan, I think, invited us. We got to know him as he was flying with us. And our first experience was a little church, uh, was a house. And we were there once or twice small little group, and of course we wondered where this church was going to go. Was it just going to stay in the house and be a little church? And a lot of them do, and they're very successful. They reach their community and so forth. But God has blessed this group. And I can remember Alan telling me about getting this building, and we've been here one time. So there's no doubt that God has blessed you, your leadership, and your people here. And I think a part of that is because of missions. We found that churches that are excited about missions, God's blessed them. Because God's heart's for missions as well. 
He loves the people of Haiti. They have souls just like you and I do. They may be poor. There may be witchcraft and voodooism and all that thing is around them. But God is there too. Uh, when you talk to a Haitian about spiritual things, he knows what you're talking about. Most of the time it's, it's uh, bad spirits, evil spirits that he's talking about because that's kind of what permeates down there. When you're talking about the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, the spirit that will relieve them from the evil spirits, they'll listen to you. And many churches today, these, this group will come back excited about what they hear in the church. Those people sing to the top of their voice. You can hear them a half mile down the road on Sunday mornings when you're wandering around. Well, Missionary Flights is, of course, close to our heart. This is the 50th year of the operation. I've been there about half that time. 20, we started 29 years, the 1st of June this year with MFI. been the president for 21 years or something like that. And uh, we were called there from Iowa. Uh, where we lived with our family. We had four children. To back up a little bit, my wife and I were married in 66. I was in the Air Force, and she was uh, finished nurse's training. And we got to live a couple years together in the United States uh, until I got orders to Vietnam, and they wouldn't let her go. And so I ended up in Vietnam as an aircraft mechanic, working on C-47s, which is the DC-3. Civilian version calls them DC-3. Military calls them C-47s. I got to be there in 1968. I was there for the Tet Offensive and all the fun things that went on during that year. It was a tough year. More GIs were killed in 1968 in Vietnam than any other year. But God protected us. Uh, our airplanes got shot up pretty bad during Tet. Out of 14 airplanes, we only had two or three still flying. It took us a while to get them back in the air. But, you know, God used that time because little did I know, 20 years later, I'd be flying DC-3s. After Vietnam, I got uh, returned to a base in California and got my commercial pilot certificate there while I was on that base. So got out of the Air Force with an A&P mechanics license and, a, and a, a commercial pilot certificate with 250 hours. Went back home, working with my dad a few years. But our church supported missionary flights, and we began to read the letters and meet the president then and go down and volunteer. I got a type rating at DC-3. And you can just look back, and that's one of the things about getting a little older, you know, like I am. You can look back in your life and see how God led. When I went to Vietnam, there's another kind of airplane there that I'd worked on for two years in the States. And it didn't make sense to put me on a DC-3, a C-47. When, Here's this airplane. I'm all trained. I had all my records. But you see, God knew exactly what he was doing, didn't he? So we left Iowa. Uh, we, uh, our call was very strong. We couldn't do anything else. Uh, with four kids, and uh, we had a new house. We had a 40-acre farm. We had all the perks of American life. Uh, we couldn't ask for more, but it wasn't satisfying. It wasn't where God wanted us. So we went to Haiti, or went to missionary flights. We raised our support about a year. All the staff at MFI has to raise their own support, and we started there in 1986. And so it's been a, a blessing. We have seen God use MFI in tremendous ways for emergency flights, for teams, uh, disaster relief, the hurricane and also the earthquake that went through Haiti in 2010. MFI went from, because we were setting where we were and the expertise that we had with Haiti and the transportation, the logistics and all that, we went from four or five flights a week with our DC-3s to seven flights a day. Hendricks Motorsport got involved with us. Joe Gibbs Racing brought three airplanes down. We chartered a couple more to haul medical stuff. We chartered seven C-130s during that time. Seven DC-6s hauls about 28,000 pounds. It's amazing what God allowed us to do, what the witness that we had. hundred volunteers being the hangar at any one time, loading airplanes and packaging stuff. Because we were there, and God allowed us to do that, to share uh, the gospel. For several weeks, I didn't go to church. 
because we were operating 24-7. Hangar never shut down. The lights were on all the time. And I remember thinking, this is not good. I've gone to church since I was a baby. And I just, you know, when the Sunday morning comes, you think, oh, I should go. And there's something that I can't. I had to go to the hangar and keep things going. Then I realized one important thing. That what MFI was doing was the church. This is the church this morning. You're getting educated. You're learning about missions. You're doing whatever God has brought you here for. But someday you need to get up out of these pews and go do something about it. Can you think of a college that would train young people and they just never left the college? They never graduated. They never went to work. They just stayed there. Sometimes we relate the church that way. We go to church just stay there all of our life. We don't get involved in missions. We don't reach out to anybody in the neighborhood. We are being trained here to go to work. Who else is going to do it? So we moved to missionary flights, joined up with missionary flights, and uh, became a part of it in a few years. Uh, the president retired. I took over and been there ever since. So it's been a blessed time. All the staff at MFI must raise their own support. We have about 20. And uh, we have uh, 12 of them are pilots, including myself. And we're also AMP mechanics. We work on our own airplane. We have some guys that are mechanics only. They're not pilots. So that keeps consistency in the maintenance program. We fly the DC-3. It's very well suited for what we do. We still land in grass airstrips in 80, and uh, it'll handle that fine. The airplane was built for that kind of environment, and so that's one of the reasons we keep the airplane. What I'm going to show you is an 11-minute DVD on MFI. It says a day in the life at MFI, what it's like there when you start Monday morning. Every Monday morning, we start with devotions, and then we, an hour, hour and a half or so later after that, we get to work on the airplanes and get the loads ready. We fly every Tuesday, Thursday, and generally every Friday. In the summertime, we fly almost every Saturday because we fly youth groups to the Bahamas. Tomorrow morning, in fact, there's 50 youth group getting on our two DC-3s flying to the Bahamas to work for a week. And the airplanes will come back. They'll reload them, reconfigure them, and fly out Tuesday to Haiti and back. So it's a very busy, active time. But what you're going to see here is Monday and Tuesday and exactly what this team is going to go through. I showed this video to them last night because we could talk about it. They could ask questions, a little more freedom at Alan's house and appreciate him hosting us. But uh, this is what it's like for your team. So you'll better know how to pray for them and what they're going to see the first time. Uh, they've never flown with us before. Sometimes people think the DC-3 is an old airplane that must really ride rough and it must be stinky and smoky and, and all these things. We've heard horror stories. It'll be one of the best airplanes they ever flew on. It's very smooth. It's got a 95-foot wingspan. It's like, it's like a big surfboard. You know, we, talk, we know about surfboards in Florida. Uh, you guys are a little farther from the shore, but it'll be a great trip for them. And our guys are dedicated airmen. I don't know how many thousands of hours. I guess I should figure it up, uh, how many thousands of hours. Some of our guys have 15, 18,000 hours of flying time. And uh, they love the Lord. Uh, they love what they do. They're dedicated. They love the airplanes. They treat them like the like it was their favorite uh, toy, almost, the way they take care of them. And you'll see that on the video. So let's show the DVD called A Day in Life at Missionary Flights. <laughs> Looks like fun, doesn't it? It is. We do that several times. Just a, a verse in closing, and then I'll turn it back to Brent. First Timothy 1.12 says, Paul talking to Timothy, and Paul getting a little older and knowing that Timothy is probably going to take over the ministry. Uh, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, that he counted me faithful, calling me into the ministry. And that's our testimony. He enabled us by the training that I received and the, the Vietnam experience and working on those airplanes and understanding the airplanes, what they would do, and then our desire to serve missions and to, to be a, uh, available to missions. So that's part of the enabling part. But then it says, Paul says, 
that he counted me faithful. And that's my part. God enables us to serve him. He gives us gifts. He directs us. He challenges us. He puts it in our heart like he has these young folks going to Haiti. But they could say no. You could say no. That's your part. Are you faithful? Has he enabled you? I'm sure he has to do something for him. One time I flew uh, a lawyer to Haiti. It was a team, and he came up, sat in the jump seat behind me as we was flying along and visited with me. And I said, so what do, you, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a lawyer. I said, what are you going to do in Haiti? He says, I have no idea. He says, I, have, I, I don't know. The church got up a group. I thought, well, it would be kind of fun. I'll just let him go. A week later, I flew the plane and brought him out. So I said, okay, what did a lawyer find to do in Haiti? He said, you know, I did everything. I set fence posts. I painted. I worked with kids. He was just excited, grinning from ear to ear. He did nothing but his profession. But God used him because he's willing to go. God enabled him to have a servant's heart. He went. He did. And he was faithful. My challenge to you is to be faithful. That's what God has called you to do. Thank you for supporting Dick, or Lynn and I, Dick and Lynn Snook, for all these years. Many of you know our name. Now you know our face a little better. And uh, just thanks for being faithful. Many of you have been faithful to give and to share and to send your people and support them as they go to Haiti. Thank you. Thanks for always bringing our people back, too. That's pretty nice of you. So we appreciate that. What a beautiful plane and uh, first-class job. I love the video and everything. Just really appreciate all that you guys do. Uh, I hope it stirs in you an awareness that God will use the things that you do, like he just said, either with your profession or beyond your profession. But I think it's pretty neat that uh, when I first came here to faith and, we, and I saw that we had on our missions roster, uh, Missionary Flights International, it was so foreign to me because anybody you supported in missions had to be like planting a church. That was their thing, you know. And I thought it was so cool that faith had the vision to get behind something because the people have to get to Haiti and you can't swim, at least, you know, not more than once. And so, um, uh, so just the fact that the Lord led in the Snooks' lives and other people to do the things that they do. It was just uh, it was a neat concept for me to see, and I'm glad that we continue to support them and will continue to support them. So uh, I'm going to ask uh, Tim to come. And uh, Tim Valentine, as you know, has been with us for years. And, and our heart uh, at, at Faith in terms of missions was always, for the long, as, as long as I know, was always towards Haiti and uh, all of the uh, needed work to go on there. And somewhere along the way, we met Tim Valentine, and he introduced us to another place called Kosovo, which I thought for sure was a Beach Boys song, and it wasn't. So that's why I haven't gone, because I thought it was the tropical destination. But uh, Tim and uh, Karen Valentine have not only been faithful to introduce us to the people of Kosovo, they've been extremely faithful to the people of this church and through our teens and uh, babysitting Pastor Matt uh, as often as he can and stuff. So if you would take just a, a couple minutes, give us an idea of what's next for you guys, because this is pretty much it for a little while that we're not going to see you. I, Pastor Bill's been saying for a month and a half, this is your last Sunday, but this is pretty close now, isn't it? It's finally here. All right. Tell us what's going on in Kosovo. Good morning. Before I tell you what's going on in Kosovo, I want to start with God's word. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. 
And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. That's, that's a couple really important verses, and it's amazing to me. God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created the light. The third thing he created, and it was good. What did it do? It divided the heavens and the earth, the day and the night. It helps God to lead us and direct us, to draw us to himself. God himself is light. We see that light and we're drawn to it. When we come to know him for salvation, we begin to shine his light wherever we are. What an amazing thing to be part of, to be able to share the light of God in a dark world and a dark place. That's what missions is about. That's what this church is about. Pastor Brent said we've been here for a while, I don't know, five, six years. Our daughters came here first in the youth group. It was before Pastor Matt, and they were really drawn to this place. Karen and I were drawn to this place. God has used us to speak to the hearts of many people here, and you have spoken to us as well. It amazes me how the more that we have done, the more that we have stepped out for God, the more he has blessed us, but he has blessed others as well. How he is shining his light through others, and it's clearly visible in the community. I can't tell you how important it is as we walk in our daily lives to let Christ's light shine. It's so easy in this dark world to curl up and try and hide and not let people know who we are and what we believe. We can't do that. We are his light here and now in this dark place. Karen and I are heading to Kosovo. We've led short-term teams there. I don't know, I've been eight or nine times. We've worked with kids there, but we've grown relationships among the people there, not just the kids but the families in a very real way. I don't know, many of you have heard me speak about Kosovo, have dealt with me with the youth group maybe and your kids, and you've heard some of what a relational culture it is in Kosovo. And that's got a lot to do with their history. It's also got something to do with their religion, which, by the way, they are 99% Muslim in Kosovo. And yet at the same time, they love Americans. We are welcome there. We can go there and walk down the street pretty much unencumbered. We can share the love of Christ with almost anyone. We can't stand on a street corner on a soapbox, but we can live as Christ would live among them. What an amazing opportunity in a 99% Muslim community. That's what we're going to do. God called us first to be mission mobilizers. We had a chance to work here, work with other churches, work with kids, to begin to open the eyes and the hearts of those fellow believers here in the United States so that hopefully some would recognize that God has a calling for each and every one of us and that you would be willing, we would be willing to step out and do what he's called us to do, that we would see where he is shining the light for us to go. In our case, it's Kosovo. We felt that call for years. We've gone there and worked there. In March, we went to scope it out. We landed in Kosovo. We went there, and we were greeted with open arms by all the people that we had met in the past. We couldn't go anywhere without being invited for coffee and a meal. 
in a matter of two weeks, I think we both put on five pounds and we had no vehicle, so we walked everywhere and we still put on weight because they want us close to them. They know that we're different, that there's something about us and they want to know what it is. Well, as we were there, we were looking for a place to start our business. We're going to open a construction business. We have a missionary who's a partner with us there. And we're going to build houses. We're going to do renovations. And we're going to start to meet a physical need in the community, which is employment and training for jobs and skills. And at the same time, sharing Christ each and every day with everyone we're in contact with. We'll pick up our workers and we will drive them to work. And they will hear Christian music on the way. And we will pray when we start the day. And we will share Christ's love with them for the entire time that we're with them. Shining his light into their lives. Giving them hope that they don't have. So while we were there, we're walking down the streets. And after the first week or so, Jeff, who's there on station, asked me, he said, Tim, where would you and Karen like to live? I said, wherever, it doesn't matter. Because truly, to me, it doesn't matter. I could live anywhere. I could live in a box if that's what God has called me to do. He said, no, you, you, you're not alone, Tim. You have a wife. Where would you like to live? If I have my choice, it would be that end of Lipian, the town we're going to. There's about 10,000 people in it. It's a lot of apartment buildings. I've been in many of them. There's a lot of houses there. And to be honest, they're pretty run down and rough. They went through a war. Their economy is broken. Even though we're starting a business, which, by the way, we have a year's work lined up already, right now it's 70% unemployment in Kosovo. They have no skills, and they really have no hope because they're following a false god. So as I'm riding with Jeff, I said, well, if I have my choice, I would kind of like that building over there in the corner like a five-story apartment building. It looks pretty new. It's a central location close to the Monday market, close to the supermarket, close to other apartments, the people center of town. Yeah, that would be the place. And I'd like a great landlord. I'd like it, you know, like half the price of everybody else and maybe like almost new and a big apartment so we could have people over with a nice kitchen. So far, everything I'm describing doesn't exist there. So as I'm describing this to Jeff, he says, okay, I'll pray about that. And I said, and I also need to find a good attorney, somebody I can trust, somebody well-known in the community. Okay. Well, over the course of the next two days, there was a missionary moving out of town. Guess what apartment building he was moving out of? Wow, that sounds great. We'll go look. Sorry, already rented. The guys stayed there too long. They're eager to get him out. We went and we helped him move. We recovered a couch back that belonged to my friend Jeff, who the missionary had forgotten that he had been loaned. And uh, as we were picking it up, yeah, I'm sorry, there's no apartment. There's no hope of an apartment here. Well, that's too bad. Well, as God works, and he did work, he brought us back there. He opened up that apartment. And that apartment is three times the size of the missionary's apartment in the city. The other missionaries have been there since about 2000. They've been paying 325 euro a month for an apartment that is a third the size of my house. I don't live in a big house. This apartment that we're getting is only 160 euros a month, half the price 
three times the size. It's brand new. It's owned by one of the most respected men in the community who happens to be an attorney. God is shining a light in your life, too. Where does he want you to go? Who does he want you to minister to? Think about that. Pray about that. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 46, it says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever shall believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Christ is the light in the world. He is shining through your life as a believer. Shine that light in the right place. Go where he has called you to go. Do what he has called you to do. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's what Karen and I hope to do in Kosovo, to walk as children of light, to shine his light in the community, to let the, the people of Kosovo, the Muslim people who live in darkness without hope, see Christ's light, be drawn to it, and come to know him for salvation. That's what missions is about. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're just going to close our time in prayer. I want to pray for Tim and Karen, who have been a blessing to this church more than you even realize. I know more than we've even realized. And so I just want to pray for them and all that the Lord's leading them to do. God, we just thank you how uh, mightily our eyes have been opened today. Our hearts have been challenged. And uh, we just thank you for your servants and and all across the board, whether it be in Haiti or in Kosovo, Lord, you are leading in ways that we could not manufacture. And so we thank you for the faithfulness of your people. And I pray, Lord, especially for Tim and Karen, uh, because they are um, going into a place that they're familiar with, but it's going to be different. And so I pray that that adjustment period would be um, just terrific for them and be rewarding for them. We thank you, Lord, so much for already blessing their business idea and their efforts to be a blessing to the coast of our people. And I pray, Lord, that you would employ them. I pray that you would help them to uh, produce in a way that is uh, uh, honoring to you. And we pray, Lord, that the people through their work would be drawn to you because of the testimony of Tim and Karen and their great love that they have for the coast of our people. So I pray, Lord, that you would do all of these things and even bring them back to visit us and bring them back to the States when the time is ready. And uh, Lord, we just thank you, God, for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you all.